Welcome back to the Grandstand. P Money here in Paris. Knowles in New York. What is going on? Yo. Um, hmm. <laughs> well, wouldn't you like to know? Seems it's, like uh, you got something to say. <laughs> oh, do I? Do I ever? Um, I mean, what a what a wild race weekend. Yeah, um, pretty pretty exciting. Uh, once again, which is, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I do think the aero regs are doing their job. I'm I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah, there's a lot of fighting all over the place. We had sprint qualifying also that was pretty interesting. Um, I thought it was going to be a little snooze fest, but actually some great racing there. A lot of wheel to wheel and in a beautiful location. But unfortunately, there's um, part of the fans that kind of, uh, not kind of, part of the fans that ruined um, the atmosphere for most people that were going there to have a good time. And I think that's what we should probably start off with. But in order to get you prepped and amped up for your the uh, for the Knowles rants of the week, uh, let's roll the intro. Okay, you gotta get gotta get in for it. A question for all of you, except Romain Grosjean. More ladies in the paddock? Yeah, more, more, more paddock access, access to, uh, to some women. There's too many dudes. I don't really have a lot to comment on that, except that he was being a pussy. So let's just start off by saying that the Austria, the Red Bull Ring, is probably one of the most beautiful track locations on the calendar with, uh, you know, in those Austrian mountains. And last year we went twice, I think the year before we went twice, and it's always been great. Um, Obviously, Max Verstappen has a lot of fans there, uh, not too far from uh, Erkland, aka the Netherlands. Um, And they were out in force. I don't really know why you... (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the Irk land. <laughs> so, by the way, this 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 Irk is just uh, we we traveled to the Netherlands a few years ago uh, with some buddies, and uh, I have never studied Germanic languages, so I couldn't understand anything. And it was just kind of a running joke of like that's what their language sounds to us. So it's no offense, men's, but it's kind of the nickname we gave them, um, even the ones we like. So it's not a it's not an insult, but it's just like it just sounds like irk 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 when they speak to us. Um, call me ignorant, but yep, that's uh, <laughs> that's what st- uh, stuck out. Um, yeah, we had a lot of orange in in the grandstands, and most of it, let's be real, was not for McLaren; it was for Max, and a lot of flares and um, a lot of flares. Things got out of control. There were reports of, uh, first of all, a lot of Dutch fans uh, camping, drinking, partying, which is great. You know, you guys do you. 
but uh, there was uh, a lot of insults going around, a lot of uh, racist remarks and physical assaults and sexual assaults. And uh, basically, you just can't hide behind booze for this. And I think it's time that the FIA take measures because this is, um, as the sport is growing, uh, this is unacceptable. Uh, sports like football have had a lot of problems in the past and they are dishing out life bans for people uh, that are caught. Um, and there are a lot of cameras out there. So yeah, uh, some very ugly stuff going on in the stands and a lot of teams put out statements. Lewis Hamilton obviously put out statements. Uh, it was so bad that actually Mercedes and maybe another team, but Mercedes definitely brought um, a woman inside the pit lane after she uh, was assaulted by a group of uh Dutch fans. Uh, I think Knowles... Who said said to her that she doesn't deserve respect because she's a a Lewis fan? Yeah. So... Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it continues this trend of, you know, polarization, you know, not to get too political, but we see that in politics, and we saw that last year in sports, and we talked about it a lot. Um, Why can't Lewis fans and Max fans just get along? And it does seem like the some Rodney King shit. Yeah, some some of these uh, some of these uh, flashpoints from last year are still hurting, and um, they're not getting over it. And yeah, I think you wanted you wanted to say uh, just a little I mean, thing. Listen, it's it's for me. Um, there was like what felt like a really soft condemnation <clears throat> that came from the Red Bull camp. Um, you know, I I watched the the post-race press conference with Max Lewis and, and Charles. And, you know, I think Max cares to a certain extent, but like, it's just not, it's not clear enough. Like this is just, this is absolutely disgusting behavior. Um, and what I also find I'm biased here cause I am a Lewis fan, but also like when Lewis crashed out in qualifying, right the cheers that went around the Red Bull ring were out of control. And not to say that that hasn't happened in the past, but I just, it was like insanely loud how, how, how much there was, how much cheering there was. Um, and it's, it's to the extent that like, you know, you, you in sport, it's competitive, obviously you don't want to see, um, but you don't want to see your competitor get hurt like that. Um, it's just not good, good form. It's not good taste. Um, and then to hear about, you know, these incidents of harassment, uh, assault, you know, jeering someone at a, at a, at a sporting event for supporting another team is one thing. I mean, I've done it before, but it's all in good fun. <laughs> you know, you, you have a beer afterwards, but the shit that like, I mean, this is like, there's like Nazi level shit being said, like white supremacist bullshit. Um, and yeah, to your point, uh, it's a bit reflective of the current political polarization that's happening around the world. What really gets me though, is that at this point, and Lewis said this in the, in the post-race presser is like, you know, we race as one is, is all good and well, but it's just words. Like there's nothing to it. There's, there's been no, inf- there's been nothing to it after the fact, you know, F- F1, the FIA haven't really implemented any sorts of programs to root this kind of bullshit behavior out. And then in addition to that, Red Bull needs to get Red Bull needs to do something here. This has to be something done from the team because it was clearly their fans who can, you know, like you said about um, 
about what what sports teams do you know if if there's hooliganism uh you know sprouting up those people get lifetime bans they're never allowed back into the stadium um you know they're basically ostracized and that's what needs to happen here and in red bull in my opinion needs to come out more publicly to basically say you guys need to stop this fucking behavior and if we hear about it you're never coming back to a race again and we don't care if you don't support us anymore this is just not acceptable yeah i think um i think the i sh- i agree with you in in the sense that lewis the one that's clearly um voicing uh, most of these concerns and obviously he has the biggest platform too and the most uh, legitimacy but i agree that someone like max verstappen who is now world champion and who's a superstar and whose popularity keeps increasing needs to be on that same level and they should probably plan something together uh, i think that would probably benefit um, f1 uh, fans all around the world uh, because I think Max is also also keep in mind Max is 15 years younger than Lewis or 12, 13 years. Um, and I don't think he understands really what to do. He probably doesn't even think it's his problem. All I mean, I think he just does the bare minimum. Like, oh, of course that's not good. And I think Red Bull also does the bare minimum. They just say, you know, we're behind Lewis and the commission, but that's also not enough. I think that's also well, just putting everything on you know uh, on Lewis's plate and saying, you know. You know, he's there for that. So we'll just support what he says. And I don't think, you know, don't get me wrong. I think everyone agrees that this is atrocious, but it's just the actions need to follow the words, in my opinion. And that's what I, where I think F1 is lacking. F1 in general, you know, um, and more needs to be done. Uh, I don't know how, but there definitely needs to be a better uh, campaign that the We Race has won, uh, which has been going on for two years now, I think, since COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it started, you know, kind of right after all the the protests in 2020 for Black Lives Matters. But, you know, this is also a moment where you need to put your driver through some media training and you need to there needs to be more gravity added to to the um, to the seriousness of, of this behavior. And it's really frustrating that it tends to only be Lewis and, and Seb, too, I'll say, mm-hmm. Um who who are very very vocal it's it's you know the sport doesn't think that it's their responsibility um or that they have any accountability in this and it's like no you are one of the largest sporting bodies in the world and it is in fact part of your role to influence behavior because this is just not acceptable um you know i I, i've been going to motorsport events since i was seven years old and you know i've been at sporting events since I was, you know, who knows when, you know, I've been to, I've been to PSG Marseille. I've been to Red Sox Yankees, you know, and there's, there's some serious banter, right. Um, and some pretty aggressive stuff, but like the, the, the white supremacist homophobic nonsense and the physical part of all this is it has to be, has to something has to be done and and i wonder like if we had been at a different track if it if if you would have seen uh, some of those grandstands cleared out a little bit more <laughs> like you just see half the max stand gone you're like oh wow there's that many of those assholes out there <laughs> and uh let's not forget that it's not you know it's not a majority of max fans no, it's you know? not a majority they're, they're, they're allowed to be uh you know drunk and and mm-hmm. loud supporting max but there's a minority of assholes let's you know let's call 
let's call it like it is, that are ruining it for everyone. And um, I think Wolf said it best. He said, um, you know, we don't want you. If you're part of that group, fuck off, basically. And that was his. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I think, yeah, and I, I think Mer- Mercedes is the team, obviously, that's um, uh, the most vocal. And I think, you know, there are other drivers that, you know, also condemn this, but their platform is so small that their messages don't get relayed as much, obviously. Uh, like, I know George also um, always echoes that, but his, you know, as his popularity keeps growing, you, we still don't hear, um, he doesn't get reshared as much. If Lewis puts out something, you know, um, it's huge. If Seb puts out something, it's huge. If Alonso puts out something, and obviously if Max puts out something. So I think, you know, you're right. Max needs to do a little bit more. Um, yeah, that was not the first time we saw it, but it's actually probably one of the worst we've seen it. And I've been through Reddit. There was a lot of um, a lot of people sharing uh, what they saw, what they heard. But also there were some people saying, you know, it's let's keep in mind that this is a minority because there was a lot, there was a photo of a, um, a big group of Dutch fans and they looked they were not sober and they had a big flag. <laughs> they had a big flag and there was there was a British guy, I think, with all Merck kit and they they were like they all surrounded him like a you know like a football team and they took a photo and it was max and lewis fans and let's not forget that that still exists and that should be you know championed if you and i go to race together i can wear my ferrari hat you can wear your i mean whatever hat you want and (laughs) keep the banter going and keep the booze flowing and we'll have a good time yeah dude i mean i don't mind sitting in like the opposing team's grandstand and like and and taking the heat you know it doesn't matter to me as long as like you know, because I'm going to chirp back. Like that will happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget, I'm chirping back big time. Um, yeah, there's a difference but, between that and uh, being assaulted and then using, you yeah, know, the mass, told, the group effect to just be hooligans. So yeah, to be a misogynist prick. Who's I think, uh, yeah, I think F1 is up, lifting up women's skirts. Yeah, you know, no, when right. they've not, when when you're clearly just being a drunk dickhead. Yeah, which also does not excuse that behavior ever. So. No. Uh, F1 yeah. let's see let's see what That's F1 uh, let's see what F1 you know um, because it's not an easy thing to tackle obviously I, I I appreciate that but um hopefully we'll see some new measures some campaigns coming up uh because uh, the racing is still there and it's uh, it's pretty good we had a thriller of a race uh Austria tends to give us a lot of good battles uh Charles Leclerc after not scoring a podium in the last five races and after not winning since Australia, do you remember when Australia was? Oh man, in March. Jeez, um, it's has, so weird. It feels like it hasn't been that long since he's won a race, but it really has been for you. It feels forever for me, man. Uh, he hasn't won since uh, Australia. He's won in Austria, and it was a great victory. Verstappen, I would say, was fortunate to get P two as he was heading towards a P three, and hence losing more points in the drivers' championship. Um, to uh, Leclerc with signs devastating engine failure. We'll get to that. And uh, closing out the top three is Sir Lewis Hamilton with his third consecutive podium. So now we're at the halfway point exactly of the championship. And Verstappen's lead over Leclerc is 38 points. And check this out, a little stat here. Both Ferrari and Red Bull each have seven poles. Each have seven poles and each have four wins. Okay. Okay. I mean, listen, I think, I think, um, listen, it's what Max is 38 points ahead. Um, 
Charles had a good haul, though, from Austria. Pulled. He, he made up he made up five points five only points. because Max yeah. was really fast in the sprint, so he won that. Um, right. So uh, so Charles lost a point there, and also uh, Max got uh, fastest lap. So all in all, for a bad weekend, he only lost five points, where it could have been mm-hmm. it could have been ten, you know. Right. So is Leclerc back in the championship fight? I think that momentum Ferrari after the last two races, I think they're starting to get uh, a hold of the tires also. And we'll see with the new aero floor regulations that are going to start in Spa. Uh, I think Ferrari is starting to show more consistency and hopefully, you know, it'll it'll be a question of reliability and tire degradation because that was a huge factor in the race, uh, this race. And just a... the reason why I say momentum is because Ferrari has never won, hasn't won two races in a row like they've just done since 2019. You know, it's so it's interesting because the, the this tire strategy, Ferrari seemed to, other than you know what happened with with uh, with Carlos, which we'll get to, but um, they seem to get the strategy right this weekend. Mm. Um, you know, for the team and for their drivers, um, up until the 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 fire with 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 Carlos, but. You know, and that's something that's really the reliability that that Ferrari's still dealing with. Uh, it's definitely yeah. got to be concerning for, I think, for Ferrari, for you as as a as a tifoso. What is it, tifosa? Tifoso. Tifoso. Yeah. Yeah. Tifoso. <laughs> Your tifosa. <laughs> the feminine. Um, you, you, <laughs> you express yourself on the feminine side um, when you when you speak about Ferrari. Anyway. Um, you know, I think realistically, though, Charles is definitely not out of this fight. But what he needs is some bad luck for Max. Yeah, you know, what mixed, he needs is Jesus. Mixed, mixed, mixed in with uh, with uh, science pulling in some great performances, and also mixed in with Mercedes, who seems to be on the up and who could throw in a few podiums. And I don't think there's that gap between the top two and the rest of the field now. Where like you know, if something happens, they have a pit stop. Uh, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just finish P three anyway. The Mercs should be lurking there to kind of pick up any of the scraps uh, that these two teams uh, leave. And who knows? They might even close the gap uh, as uh, you know as we get to. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens after the summer break. So I agree. I think Leclerc is 100 still ba- is back in this championship fight. My question is now. We saw the Ferraris fight during the sprint and it was great. But if it wasn't for that fight, I think Leclerc could have launched an attack on Max. Does Ferrari have to officially have a number one driver moving forward in the second half of the season? I think they have to. I think think it's time. I think Carlos is, I mean, Carlos is going to have to accept that. And I don't think that's a bad thing for him. I don't, I, I think, you know, ultimately, yeah, I mean, he's Carlos has 133 points versus Charles 170. So at this point, it's not mathematically impossible, but Carlos is not going to be world champion this year. At least I don't think he will be. Um, he's had four DNFs and he's 75 points behind uh, Max. Right. So you could put this down a lot of his point deficit to bad luck, but also Charles has had two DNFs. So, you know, Unfortunately, I think he just got, and the season's not over. You know that could also happen to Charles, could also happen to Max. So, I think it's a strong season. I think he's building momentum. He he was finishing the top two for the past four races, and he was 
if he had finished yesterday, sorry. So he was on a streak of three in a row. Um, and I just, what I see, what I, the takeaway from from this last weekend is that Ferrari could really make a big dent in the constructors as well if Sainz stays motivated. And if he understands that, you know, he'll get a shot next year. Well, interestingly enough, I mean, it seems like, you know, Checo's had two DNFs. Um, Charles has had two DNFs. Max has had two DNFs. Carlos has had two DNFs. So four, there's four, four DNFs. No, Carlos has had, let's see, four. Wait, weird. I'm looking at the points, the, uh, the points stand standings right now. Yeah. Okay. They mark this very oddly. Oh, that's why. Cause Italy was a sprint race and you still got five points for it. Um, and Austria too. So yeah, four DNFs, excuse me. Correct. Um, rare that I ever acknowledge, uh, being wrong with you. So, uh, <laughs> um, it's a but fact. yeah, man, I mean, I, I think when it, what it comes down to is, you know, Checo and Carlos have to be super consistent. I think if I'm being very, very honest, I think Checo is going to be more consistent than Carlos. Um, but who knows? I mean, like it, it, Carlos has also had DNFs because the car fails, not just because he, you know, makes a mistake. Right. Um, and same for Checo. But when it comes back to you know going back to Charles versus Max, um, I mean they've just got to go balls to the wall, right? Um, and I think they've got to they've got to prioritize Charles over over Carlos. And Italy uh, all over. I mean, Italy was fuming after Silverstone, even though Carlos won. But they they want they want to maximize their chances, as we were saying in the last podcast, to to win the drivers' championship. They're aching for it. So I think everyone's calling now, and I think it is time. You know, there is a thirty-seven point difference between them. And if they work as a team, they'll get the Constructors' Championship. I think that I personally think Carlos Sainz will bring more pace than Perez in the second half of the season. That's a feeling I have. I could be wrong. Uh, but they, I think Ferrari has a big, big chance of winning the Constructors uh, moving forward. Uh, but I don't, well, think, I, don't, I don't think Sainz can, um, can have a legitimate shot unless... Unless, you know, we haven't, you know, it's still very, very polite between Max and Charles. Oh, yeah, well done, man. Uh, thumbs up. Unless start, things start getting a little uh, hectic and they take each other out and they don't score any points. And then, oh, who's there to pick up the, the wins? Carlos. It could change, but you would need a few of those incidents for him to be back in contention. You know, you put the, <clears throat> you put the two of them in a position where Max has, you know, two more points than Charles. I think that the the nicety goes out the window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, there is a lot of respect between the two of them, more so than Max ever has ever shown Lewis, which is kind of shocking to me. But um, I think that comes down to the fact that they grew up racing together. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that also that Max, uh, sorry, that Lewis is a different generation. And when you're coming in the sport and you're going against, you know, one of the greatest drivers of all time, you, you have to just be, you just have to throw everything at it. Um, yeah, 100%. So yeah, Red Bull. So he definitely minimized the damage there versus Stappen on. Like, an, I can't. I mean, I, it's hard to say, even say it was an off weekend. Uh, even if he had finished third, it would have been a good result for him with the tire issues. But um, yeah, some quick stats for for Max. Max is really strong usually here. Um, he did get a 16th pole of his career, moving one ahead of Leclerc all time. And you know, he won twice last year at this track leading mm-hmm. every single lap so he his the streak ended at 153 laps uh, that he led in a row at this track 
um, when womp, womp, womp. when Leclerc overtook him. Uh, and Leclerc, not only did he overtake him once, not twice, but three times for the lead once, in this race, which twice, is three times of Charles. Yeah, that is uh, very rare to have that many overtakes for the lead, by the way. And some of them were brilliant moves that he wasn't expecting. Well, that one into T4. Ooh. Into turn four. Oof. Dude, you got to have some some cojones to do that. That was some late breaking. That was some like vintage, dare I say, like the vintage Danny Rick style of breaking. Well, dude, I, I don't think, I mean, he kind of caught Max sleeping. I don't think yeah. Max expected him to go down the inside like that. And when he did, like Max wasn't even on the throttle as quick as he probably should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, because <laughs> you clearly see Max didn't even cover the inside to any extent. And Charles was like, well, I'm going to do it. And once he was there, he gave him a lot of space. Um, uh, Max also tied the most starts to Red Bull at 129. That's my last Max stat. And then we'll get back to racing. Please stop with Max stat. (laughs) Yo, you got to recognize also. Uh, Yeah, some some great battles. Um, Carlos Sainz obviously was going to bring it in. Uh, He was reeling Max in and everyone was getting super excited. And I was following the times and all of a sudden I just see Sainz's name go down. Oh, yeah. The order and... You know, not only did that overtake look inevitable, but the way that the engine went up in flames and when he parked the car, because it's you saw how hilly the track was when he parked the car, right. he couldn't start going downhill. Uh, it would never it wouldn't stop. You know, it kept going back. And for all of you out, out there thinking, oh, they put a handbrake on. There are no handbrakes on an F1 car, um, but definitely something to look at. I think a lot of people were criticizing the marshals, but I think that's not fair because I saw a photo of a marshal in the flames with signs uh, helping him out. So you got to give credit to those guys who, by the way, are all volunteers and pretty much risking their lives there also. So that was a pretty scary moment also, just because it was weird. I'd never seen that well, before. The car caught on fire. Like it was, it was, it like, went up as if somebody had thrown gasoline on it. So it was like, there was like smoke and then all of a sudden it just went, you know, like real quick. Um, and he can't get out cause the car is moving backwards. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a little bit of, you know, it was a bit of a scary moment. And in that, in that, uh, in that case, what the marshal did is he put uh what they do, they have chalk so it's for that, but like, it didn't work at first. The car went over it. He put a few pieces of chalk and that's how they ended up stabilizing the car. Uh, but, Gutted for science because obviously he was on a he had momentum. Even finishing P two would have been great for him, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Hopefully he'll bounce back. But he looked, man, he looked completely, I don't know, like inconsolable after that, which is understandable because he probably knows now that he's going to be driving for the team and for Charles supporting Charles. But yeah, rough. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Again, it, it comes down, though, to like, and I think this is the, the overall question that, that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, Ferrari clearly has a pace on some weekends, but do they have the reliability? And I don't think, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen that from them yet this season. Well, speaking of reliability, the last few laps were... Like I, yeah. I struggled, oh. I struggled to, <laughs> to watch because every time I Charles saw the Otto sector times, uh, so there was a throttle issue with Charles and it got stuck and he it, basically it was telling the software that he was still accelerating where he wasn't and not a good feeling in the car and 
he managed to bring it home, but you could tell that Max was, you know, maybe two, three more laps, it would have been a little dicey, I think. Uh, oh, and, 100%. I mean, apparently, Binotto didn't even watch the last few laps. He said, I, I can't do this. I can't watch this, uh, which I understand. And the relief when he won was, especially after five races, after what happened in uh, Barcelona, after what happened in Monaco. Uh, yeah, very happy for Charles. Very happy for Ferrari. Um, and he's back in the championship, so let's see what uh, what kind of momentum they can get moving forward. Uh, I'll tell you what: who else has momentum is Mercedes. They're for the fifth time this year finishing P three and P four, uh, not fighting at the front. But if anything happens under safety cars, they could be a threat now. And we have to start with okay. So Lewis had a pretty uneventful race. Um, but Russell. Mm-hmm. I mean, uneventful in the sense. I that don't know if he had an uneventful race. He he didn't really have too many battles. He he moved his way up the field, and also he he did benefit from Perez and Russell. That was two places um, that he gotten. Because what what did what did Lewis start eighth? Uh, tenth. I think I think Lewis did drop drop back at the start, and he did fight his way. Actually, yeah, he did have to pass the Haas again. Uh, Ocon, there were, actually, there was a lot of passing, like throughout really the was. field. Yeah, so no, yeah, there, it was a kind of attacking race from Lewis. Uh, I feel bad for Russell because he could have been up there. Also, Checo, what do we think of that incident? Because so turn four, we've seen this many times. Albon and Lewis uh, last year, uh, Norris and Perez, and now Russell and Perez. Uh, basically, Russell on the inside. Paris on the outside, Russell hits the curb, understeers, car hits Checo, spins him out, five-second penalty, and also damage to Russell's front nose. Did Is the FIA consistent with those? Uh, what, what do you think on that? Consistent in what way? Is So basically, the question is I was asking is, if you're going for a pass on the outside and it doesn't go well, are you, are you always going to come out of it? Um, if you're on the inside, sorry, and someone tries to pass you and there's an incident, are you always going to be penalized? Because that's what it seems to be going towards, I think. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I actually didn't think George deserved a penalty there. Um, I would have chalked that up to a racing incident because I, though it had similarities of Lewis and Albon where like Lewis was clearly, you know, uh, clearly in the wrong and deserved a penalty. I think in this case, Checo kind of, Checo kind of didn't do himself any favors there. Like there's, it, it wasn't as, as, as black and white as I think the, the Lewis incident was for me. I agree. But, yeah. But I, yeah, the, you know, the drivers are, are consi- continue to talk about the lack of consistency with, with the stewards, um, which really has been an issue. I mean, ever since Charlie Whiting, unfortunately passed away um there it's not been as as clear um and they got to figure this out but right i feel like they're doing it to save face they're like oh well this is what it was ruled back in what was it 2020 uh or 2019 whenever that those like two incidents happen yeah both yeah 2019 yeah. 2020 and 2021 i think right like uh, it's just like so now they're like saving face they're like well this is how it was ruled then so i guess we're just going to do it this way but you know uh Yes, it fucks Checo's race, another DNF, which, by the way, he has three DNFs this season, not two. Um, Okay. And, you know, which I think was a smart move by Red Bull. Like, you know, he got 
he got lapped on like what lap nine or ten. Um, yeah, he was out of it real early in the race. Um, yeah, so I think I think I, it's tough. It's tough, but for consistency's sake, you do it. But is that really what the sport needs? It's I don't know. I I, I don't honestly I don't deserve the. I don't. I don't think George deserved a penalty in this game. Honestly, when I saw it live, I I thought that's a penalty slam dunk. When I saw the replays and I saw that actually, it was I think it was Julian Palmer was looking at it closer and comparing it to Lewis's uh, versus Albon. Uh, he made a good point where he said, "Where well, George was on the curb and he hit the curb and curb kind of you know he bounced off that inside curb uh, and Perez." might have had more room on the outside. Um, so it was a 50-50 situation. Um, I don't know. Either way, I wouldn't have been surprised, but it kind of tends to to be that if a driver goes in a gravel trap, they tend to look at the outcome also a lot, uh, the FIA. So we'll see moving forward if there's... I mean, there's going to be more incidents. It'd be interesting if they have it with you know Leclerc versus Max. Uh, and how that um, relationship uh, evolves, because yeah. you know that's when those uh, those flashpoints happen, like it did last year. Um, I want to I want to save the other FIA penalties for later, uh, the track um, limits, because uh, I want to talk about the midfield. There's a lot of a lot of racing, man. There's at one point I think there was five constructors within in the same corner and and sharing the same. Uh, part of the track. I mean, it was, I think it was an Alpha, there was a McLaren, there was a Haas, uh, an Alpine, and maybe an Alpha Tauri, I think. And they were just for maybe a whole sector, so a third of the lap, just racing like go-karts. And as you pointed out, as you pointed out earlier, that is for me uh, indicative of the new regs. And uh, it just, and that was for what, maybe P, P, P10 to P14, I think, or something, but it was it was wild racing, and I don't know, I loved it. And that's if we're gonna have more of that, yes, sign me up for that. I mean, dude, it was it was um, it's it's just exciting. It's it's great when we've got a race where like you, it's not just you know uh, cars on parade. Basically, um, I loved it. Uh, the mm. midfield was really exciting to watch. You know what I really love this weekend, and you know you're gonna call me a fanboy again, but yeah, and I'll admit it. Uh, <laughs> Mick Schumacher. Um, I'm not gonna after, call you fanboy for this one. After after scoring points last time out uh, in Silverstone, his first points, he was back at it in the sprint. He kept Lewis Hamilton behind him for, I would say, seven eight laps. Um, got mad at his team because he thought that maybe if he you know if he stayed under DRS. Uh, with his teammate uh, in front of him, they both could have scored points. Uh, and then during the race, he fought from P9 to P6, which, by the way, another stat. The first time uh, Michael scored points in Austria with Ferrari, qualified P9, finished P6. Boom. Another stat there for free. Like father, like son. Uh, but the thing is, I, I saw another side of Mick. Uh, I think we've been seeing this side of uh, he's more comfortable in the car. His wheel-to-wheel, when I see him now... I just I get the feeling he's got it. Last year he had a terrible reference point across the garage. We won't name him, uh, and he was just basically, <laughs> he was just he was basically, he was basically just understand. He all he got last year was like testing. He was just racing around and most of the time letting people buy. Now he's fighting in the midfield, and when he gets his elbows out, Mick can race. And I'm 
super happy he's gotten this before the summer break. That's two in a row getting coins and double points for Haas again. And P6 is the highest Haas has ever scored in Austria. All around great performance, and I can't wait to see more. Like, keep it up, Mick. You I mean, deserve I, that race seat. I think. Well, whatever one, whatever Gunther Steiner said to him, or the team has said to him, basically to say like, you better step up your game or your adios. We don't give a shit who your dad is. One, yeah, uh, ruthless, but that's Gunther, yeah. man. Yeah, but you know what? I, I think that's really important. I think, and, and clearly, it's what Mick needed because I think I mentioned this to you, but he was driving the car as if he was scared to crash it or do anything to it, and and then he would actually fuck it up before yeah i agree before these last couple of races yeah exactly and so now he's driving like a man who's been reborn in some ways and um from a boy to a man he's been reborn um <laughs> <laughs> but i want to you know big ups to mick i'd love to see him um i'd love to see him continue to do this i also think it's pretty wild how it's changed up the entire um you know haas's Haas's uh, newfound form, how it has changed the entire makeup of the midfield. You know, you've got teams like Alpine and you've got teams like uh, McLaren and, and uh, I mean, Alpha pretty much Romero, everybody okay. with the, the exception of Williams is probably like, what the fuck? And I got to give it to Haas. Like, again, you took the oligarch's money, you fired the oligarch's son, and you, <laughs> you developed the car. You developed the car, <laughs> and now you're scoring serious points with your drivers, and um, you know, it's it's got to feel pretty good for them, uh, yeah. all things considered. I mean, they're still... Yeah. <clears throat> they're, they're P7, so they're ahead of Alpha Tauri, um, Aston Martin, and Williams. Which is huge, coming from where they were last year. And, oh, well, they're and, absolute rock bottom, blue yeah. crab bottom feeders. And and, <laughs> and I do think that Mick is learning a lot from K-Mag and that even though he got mad, like, you know, uh, right after the sprint, I think after he understood why, you know, at the end it was probably better for the team not to switch it around. He, you know, he, he put his head down, he went back and raced. And the next day, uh, I think K-Mag had an issue during the race and they did the switch actually during the race. So I think Haas is working for the team and yeah, uh, hopefully they'll get some new upgrades because they haven't upgraded as much as the other teams. Another team that's had like a, a low-key, uh, big, big weekend is Alpine with Ocon and P5. Uh, double points for them too with Alonso and P10, but that could have been a P5 slash P8 maybe or P7 because uh, Alonso had a double stop in the end because the wheel wasn't attached properly. Alpine uh, and Haas scored the same amount of points this weekend actually. Interesting. 14, 14 yeah. points. Um, yeah. But Alpine is way up. They're fifth in the, the constructors with fifth, 81 points versus Haas is 34. And they're tied for fourth, actually, I think, with McLaren. Oh, yeah. that's They, they are. 81 to 81. Yeah. Uh, McLaren, who also had a double points uh, finish. Uh, usually, McLaren does a little better in Austria. But you know this year, they've kind of slipped back. Uh, I actually... I think Norris is part of that five-car uh, battle uh, that we mentioned earlier. So Norris, P7, uh, and Danny Rick, P9. Uh, and I think Danny Rick was told by Zach Brown that you know he's got his confidence for next year. Uh, and there's a lot of rumors. That, uh, you saw that Instagram story today. Well, Danny said, like, you know, I, I know all, there's a lot of speculation about my future, but I'm not leaving, um, and I'm working my ass off for this. I like that. And I feel like he might be turning, you know, he might... He might be coming into some momentum here. Hopefully the pace continues, but um, good news for McLaren, I think. Good news for Danny Rick. Yeah, I, I think 
it's it's pretty it's encouraging to see the amount of support he's gotten throughout the paddock. Um, you know, on the race weekend warm up with F one, you know, on F one TV, you know, both Will Buxton and, and Lawrence Barreto are like it, it it would be really sad to see him go. Joylan Palmer. I mean, everybody is like um, you know, even Pietro uh, Fittipaldi is just like it doesn't make sense not to have Danny Rick in the in the paddock right now. Like he's he's too good of a driver and I I have to I, I agree with them. Um hundred percent. But interestingly enough, we had Colton Herta in Portimao testing a McLaren. Um I don't know if you've heard the latest drama out of IndyCar this morning, but a two year old McLaren, by the way, which is already planned months ago. This yeah, test. Yeah. Right. But you know, it is they're you know, McLaren is playing some chess right now with their drivers. You know, they've got Yeah, they're adding they've added another driver to their lineup for next year. Is that the drama you're so in IndyCar, they've been basically they in IndyCar, McLaren has wanted to go with a three car uh, entry mm-hmm. uh, for the full season, not just like for the Indy 500, which which a lot of teams do. You know, they add an extra car. But mm-hmm. this morning, um, or yesterday, I'm sorry, yesterday <clears throat> there was this whole drama that broke out with Alex Palou, who drives for Chip Ganassi, where Chip Ganassi Racing put out a statement that Alex Palou is going to be driving for McL- or for 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 their team. And then McLaren also put out a press release saying that, no, he was driving for us. Um, so hmm. you've got, and then you've got Ooh. Felix Rosenquist, who's still under contract, but he probably, he's not going to be in Formula One. But it is interesting where you've got McLaren making all these driver moves in other series. Meanwhile, there's this big question about Danny Rick. And it's like, well, they're basically setting themselves up to be, put it, put themselves in a position where it's like, if in fact we've got to replace a driver, we know what we've got and we've got the talent to do it. Yeah. But DR3 is DR3. Yeah, and also, you know, I think they're putting uh, they're they're building up a roster, but I don't think 2023 is um the right time for them to switch to have such a drastic switch. They they have to test out these drivers. They will be taking part because you know every um every driver this year, even, you know, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton will have to give their their one of their Friday uh, practice sessions up to a rookie, right? Uh, and uh, so both McLaren drivers will, I think Colton Herta and I think man, maybe Pato Award will get to try uh, a McLaren during a an FP session. So yeah, I think I think it's just built. It's planning for the future, but also let's not uh, let's not go too fast. I don't I don't think. I know Colton Hurd, I put out, uh, there's a quote from him saying, I'm fast enough to be an F1. Well, yeah, that's one thing to be fast enough. It doesn't mean you're ready for it. You know, if you do a test session, you can't just be thrown yeah, into the... I think the kid would fucking kill it in Formula 1 personally, but... Yeah, also, I, I don't think you can just get a McLaren seat as your first seat. That's a little... That's very risky for McLaren. Unless unless he's shown something extraordinary, but how do you see that from a test session? Uh, I, sh- I just want to correct something I said earlier. When I said that each team had had seven poles and four wins each i was wrong it was red bull's gotten four poles ferrari's gotten four wins red bull's gotten seven wins and ferrari's gotten seven poles so there's that's why that's the gap in points wow dude my brain just went into circles what the fuck <laughs> I, I i basically said you said that really <laughs> okay yeah i basically said earlier that uh, yeah i'm looking at the the numbers so it makes sense to me earlier i said that they, they both had seven wins uh, seven poles and four wins each, which doesn't add up to the number of races. And what I meant to say is, out of the eleven races, Ferrari has the same amount of poles 
that Red Bull has wins. And the same right. thing for polls. Yeah, I could, yeah. Got it. <laughs> okay. Wow, it was more clear in my really head. <laughs> I mean, maybe to you it does, but at this point, I'm just like, all right. Um, uh, before, be- yeah, be- before we go on to the, the our stand championship, um, this weekend we had a lot of uh, track limit uh, warnings, black and white flags, and even five second penalties uh, given out, and. Uh, I think Leclerc and Lewis were both on black and white flags and drivers are freaking out because they couldn't see the white lines. What do we think of that? Do we think, cause, cause that's been a huge debate, you know, where the FIA only monitors one corner, which I find weird. And sometimes they're like, Oh, but we're not monitoring that corner anymore. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's getting too much. I think it's, it's, it's like there it's getting obnoxious at this point. And I don't think any of the drivers would, would push back on that. Like you're, you're getting lap times deleted for being like a millimeter over the line. Come th- the fuck. On. I, th- I think there's a mix of, I think in theory, in theory, what they're doing is right. I think the white line is the white line. If you go over it, boom. Also Checo, that's why he started, you know, uh, sprint so far. Cause he had a lap time in Q2 deleted, but it, after Q3, after making it in Q3, which is a bit embarrassing for the FIA. I think if it's, Everywhere you just make it clear. You don't have it corner by corner. It's like, can you go over the white line or not? And I think that's what all drivers wanted to know. But then the way they're monitoring it maybe needs to be reassessed because now that the drivers uh, are there's more hindrance in their in from the cockpit because they can't see with the mud guard. They can't really see past the wheels. I think Danny Rick was saying it's really hard to see the white lines. Um, yeah, everyone. I mean, everybody said that. Danny Rick, I think, publicly was out there. But throughout the season, everyone's like made it very clear that these new cars, there's there's definitely a visibility issue. So it's like, yeah, even if even if you feel like you can make it, you might not even know that you're 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 over the line. Yeah, um, which maybe, is yeah, is and maybe one uh, adjustment could be instead of having three and then black and white fly have it make it five or something. I don't know. Right, that could like, be yeah. could be could be yeah. Three seems. I mean, yeah, three seems a little bit, little much. Although I do think that, you know, these are the best drivers in the world. So if you add another complication, I think it could make things interesting. Um, once they figure out the right balance between how many I mean, warnings. It's really difficult, right? Like, I, I, it, I but I, I do think like to a certain extent, like these, the margins are just so small. Yeah. Um, it's like VAR even in some ways. It's literally like that. Like, well... You got like somebody who it's like their foot was like a centimeter over the line. So therefore mm. it's no, you know, no, does no, a centimeter yeah, really give that much of an advantage? Ooh, sometimes centimeter makes a huge difference. I mean, I'd be interested to ask a race engineer about that. I think, you know, uh, someone made a comment uh, in the interview saying these are the best drivers in the world. And sometimes, you know, it's hard for us to understand how good they are uh and when you look at mick schumacher's crash in monaco he was i think three centimeters off the line and he spun because you know it was a wet patch i think drivers are so good at placing their car that they know and what they do know also is that they they were getting away with a lot of these um going over the white lines for the last few years and as soon as i think uh, we'll see as soon as they understand the rules if the rules are like this for all tracks you'll see them make less and less infringements that's what i think personally yeah that's fair but let's see um it was kind of exciting it would have been exciting if like people in the front were getting it uh, as well uh but yeah 
I don't think that'll be I don't think that'll be like an issue where it's like, oh, everyone's getting penalties because they can't see. All right, so now it's time to look uh, at the stand championship and made some ground up. Yeah, so it is my turn to score absolutely no points because uh yeah, I didn't get anything right. And you got Leclerc P one in the race, uh giving you twelve points. So we're now at 110 for me and 62 to you uh, for the first still half. still rough, dude. It's still not. I mean, if you have a few more of those weekends. Hey. Which uh, I'm really hoping you do. It's, you know, it's like Leclerc right now. He's feeling, you know, he can he can still win the championship. You got to you gotta have that attitude, man. I am pretty happy about my uh, my fantasy, though. I did, you know, I, I, I did a nice little points haul, which put me back into some contention there. So, uh, yeah, did that, chose that mega drive. Yeah, which every everyone else in our fantasy had uh, really screwed up on the mega drives. I think you're the only one who really capitalized on that. Uh, but yeah, getting closer. Uh, we have a week off next week uh, before another doubleheader before the summer break. So we'll be giving you the uh, French Grand Prix uh, preview next week. Uh, so no predictions. Did you hear about what uh, about Esteban Ocon's grandstand? That's no, I did not hear. That's oh, uh, so he's got his own dedicated grandstand this year at the French Grand Prix. It's sold out in 15 seconds. Wow, isn't that uh, wild? That is amazing. Uh, yeah, his popularity is growing here because he's he's getting these points. And to wrap up on Ocon, because uh, you know Mr. Stats here, it was his hundredth race in F1 and best result uh, for the year for him. So uh, that's awesome. I think that's great going into his home race and. Um, yeah, um, I think, yeah, we should talk more about the French drivers next week on our, on our, um, preview for Paul Ricard. I agree. Which could be a really good race. I think after seven, I mean, a lot of years of Mercedes domination last year was really good if I remember correctly. So I'm excited. It was a, it was a fun race. It was actually a fun race. It, it really was. And it could be a good one for Merck. So stay tuned for that. If you want to hear our expert slash armchair analysis of who's going to be fast at Puerto Rico, that'll be next weekend uh, from F. Knowles and I. We're out. Later.